Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I really need this job. Of course I do. Welcome back to the show. 203-333-9422. We are here on the Lisa Wexler Show. That iconic little strain is, of course, from a chorus line. Marvin Hamlish's brilliant, brilliant score. And uh, the genius work of Michael Bennett. And Donna McKechnie, who was the star and so many others. And I saw the original production with my grandma. I was in first row mezzanine. And I'm going to talk to Christine Barker, our guest who is with us in the studio. Her memoir, Third Girl from the Left, has an awful lot of wonderful dirt about a chorus line because this was her lived experience, this and many others, as a dancer on Broadway making her way from Santa Fe, New Mexico to the Big Apple and her journey in the 1980s. Christine Barker, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Hello. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank Uh, you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled that you're here. I love the book. I love the book because of a lot of things. First of all, it's very well written. Congrats. Thank you. It's a very nicely written book. Uh, But the story is compelling to me because uh, I'm a Broadway devotee. Mm -hmm. I saw a chorus line. I thought I saw it in 1980. You... Well, that, was it the I saw it with the original cast. Might it have been nineteen seventy six? It would have been earlier. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I right. saw it with Donna McKechnie, Priscilla Lopez, I think Wayne Salento. I saw the original yes. cast. All right. And I saw it with my grandma Sill. My grandma mm-hmm. Sill. We used to take the subway from Newkirk Avenue in Brooklyn, and we would go to yeah. That's where she lived. So I would schlep to Brooklyn and Flatbush, and then we would take the subway together. And her thing was to introduce me to Broadway, and that's what she did. And so we went, and this is what I wanted to tell you, Christine, because you're going to love this. So we went to see a chorus line, and we were first row mezzanine, which was already like, we always had orchestra, but okay, I guess it was already a popular show, and we could only get first row mezzanine. And we're watching the show, and it's, it's in the first run, 
And I don't think it had won Tonys yet. In other words, it was being discovered. Yes. And my grandmother did not like the show because the only chorus line with the costumes and the (laughs) tap dancing is at the very end. And she was like, this is not what I'm used to in a Broadway show. But I remember that we bought the, it wasn't a CD then, I think it was an A-track. We bought the A-track on the way out. And when I started listening to the show, sort of like Hamilton. Yes. Which I also saw and didn't appreciate until I listened to it. Yes. The more I listened to the show, the more I appreciated the show. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful memory of yours. But first I have to say, if you were in the front row mezzanine, you may have had Michael Bennett's house seats. He believed that all musicals should be watched from the very front row mezzanine. Really? Because then you get a full view of all the patterns of the dancers on the stage and everything that's happening. You are up close enough and you can see well enough, but that you have a sense of the entire universe of what's happening on the stage. I can certainly see that. So your grandmother picked actually excellent, excellent seats. Well, it was wonderful. And I will say that I remember seeing Donna McKechnie do the mirror, the mirror song. And I can remember the choreography quite well. Yes, I'm sure. And you could see the, the, the yeah. mirrors fly in from the ceiling. Yeah. But the other thing about Chorus Line is that, you know, it broke all molds. And so people who were used to the old-fashioned kind of musical, you know, where you had a chorus and you had the dancers and then you had the singers and then you had the, the people who had the parts, this was different because this was an ensemble piece. And Hamilton broke the mold as well. Many, many, many years later. But this was what was so valuable about the show and why I believe it was so long-lasting is because it was about the common people, the people who you don't hear about, whose stories. You you go and you see a show and you think, oh, wasn't, oh, that one, I really loved that one in the pink or something. Great dance or whatnot. But Michael Bennett, his whole idea was to take real people who, of course, he knew as dancers and to talk about their lives, to tell to tell the audience what it was to be a dancer, to live this life, but also to be doing something that is such hard work. And why do you do it? You do it because you love it and because it's so important to you. I remember right around the time Chorus Line came out, Shirley MacLaine did a special on television called Gypsy. Mm. And it was the first time that I had ever heard the term of dancers referred to as gypsies. And so in my mind's eye... That's when I sort of became sensitized and aware to this whole group of people who toiled largely unrecognized in terms of their own personal stardom because of their love of the theater. You're absolutely, absolutely, absolutely correct. It is because of the love. And Michael Bennett felt that that's the story that needs to be told. That's the interesting story. It's the one we don't hear about enough. And he was right. Yeah, he you was know? right. He was absolutely right. So, Christine Barker, you let's talk about you. You you grew up in Santa Fe. It sounds like you had a pretty nice upbringing with pretty close relationships with your own siblings and a lot of respect and affection for your parents. Well, actually, my father was in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, my great grandparents and grandparents and my father were all from Santa Fe. So when I was born, you know, my father was a naval aviator and we lived in Europe. Brave and man. We lived 
Your father we was a naval aviator? Yes. Brave. Let's and talk about aviation when your father was a naval aviator. Well, I think that I learned a great deal about courage from I my bet. father. Um, when we lived in, in Italy, uh, my father was the commander of a squadron, and it was the height of the Cold War. And he would be gone. You know, I don't, I don't really remember how long, it, because we never really knew how long he would be gone for. But later I would find out that, you know, he's flying missions over European skies going toward Russia because it was the Cold War. And um, I just knew that my father was a person who would never fail at a mission. And, you know, we, we prayed that he would come home. And he did. He always came home. And um, But I, I learned something from him about resilience, about patriotism, about faith, about being close to your family, knowing your values, and um, giving everything for something that you believe in. And I really do think that that shaped a great deal of me. Um, you know, when I went to New York, I didn't have any money. I lived at the Salvation Army Home for Girls in a dormitory on a cot, you know. And it was kind of tough going for several years in New York as I tried to make my way. But I did. I and did. I think that I had something really at my core that I got from him. I love that yes. you're using the word core as a dancer, by the way. Oh. <laughs> We're chatting with Christine Barker, third girl from the left, is her memoir. And uh, so tell us about this drive. Did this drive come after high school? Did it come in lieu of college, in the middle, or at the end of college? Talk about that. Uh, you know, I, I just think that the drive was always there. Mm -hmm. um, but no, but I mean the journey. When did it start? Did it start after high school or after You mean college? the journey to New York? To New York. To New York. No, I really always wanted to go to New York, but my father insisted that I have two years of college because okay. I think he was afraid that, oh, gosh, if she goes and does something wild like that, because believe me, he and my mother would just like not even talk when I started to say, I'm going to New York. I'm going to New York to be a dancer. You know, it was the wildest thing they'd ever heard. Um, so he insisted I have two years of college. So I did get two years of college, and I did that at UCLA. And um, he said you had to have a B-plus average. I had a B-plus average, and it was two years. And I went to him, and I said, here's my transcript. I'm going to New York. And, you know, he was a man of his word. So he gave me $500. So I put that in my KEDS because they didn't call them tennis shoes. We called them <laughs> KEDS, you know, and had it hidden there. And um, off I went. And off you went. Did you know anybody in New York? I didn't know anybody. Oh, um, unbelievable. I, I did have a friend who Great went girl. with me just, you know, it was kind of a buddy system. But she eventually, she left um, because it was it was difficult life and and you really had to have your head kind of screwed on um and not that she didn't but you know i just seemed to have weathered it a little bit better and um you know it was just the daily daily grind just and you ended up at alvin ailey for a while i was at alvin Jameson. ailey and that was so inspiring he was the most amazing generous man a, a teacher who just would teach anybody because I was nothing I was just this little white lump you know of desire really but he took me aside and he worked with me and then finally he said to me you don't belong here you don't belong at my studio you need to go to Broadway I promise you you'll work I promise you and I was like oh Mr. Ailey, and why do you think he said that um I think because I had a 
some personality that was exuberant and that came through when I danced. And um, I think for his company, also, you know, this, the stories of the dancers and the souls of the dancers, with their backgrounds were different from mine. And I just think that he felt, and he was right, that I would do better there. And okay. in that kind of a, when, when there's a story being told. And, um, and he was he was right, and I listened to him, and he was always, to me, just the most um, amazingly generous, thoughtful man, you know. Well, his dancing, his, were... his company still exists, which yes, is really says absolutely. something. Absolutely. Yeah, the Avenelli Dance right. Company. We are sitting here with Christine Barker. We're coming back to chat with her third girl from the left is her memoir. We'll be right back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. And we're chatting with Christine Barker. Her book is called Third Girl from the Left, and she'll be on May 13th, a week from Saturday, at Barnes & Noble in the morning in Westport, which is an absolute charming Barnes & Noble. I go there a lot myself. So if you want to meet her, see her, have her sign a book, she will be there. The the book is called Third Girl from the Left. Christine Barker, welcome back. Thank you. So we, we haven't chatted yet a little bit about a very important part of your story, and it has to do with your relationship with your brother Laughlin. Yes. Laughlin. Mm-hmm. Um, who had been uh, known to the world as a heterosexual guy, right? Yes. Uh, but he ends up in New York with you. Yes. And uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship and what happens to him. And we're talking about in the early 80s now? Yes, in, mm-hmm. the, in the early 80s. Yeah. My brother Laughlin was older than I was, so he would have been um, drafted. And he served his country in the United States Navy, during the Vietnam War, but he was actually in the Mediterranean for that. And then he came back and he went to Georgetown Law School. He became a corporate lawyer, moved to New York. He was married um, and had a great relationship and a little girl, but realized that he was a gay man. And in those days, you know, it was against the law to be gay. And he got a job in New York City and decided that he would come out as a gay man, and his he and his wife remained very close friends, and he had joint custody of his child. He, as a corporate lawyer, met um, the man who became his business and life partner, Perry Ellis. The and Perry Ellis. The Perry Ellis. And he and Perry Ellis developed the fashion label Perry Ellis and worked together. They... It was a very big and bold move for my brother Huge. to to be... Um, openly out as a gay man in those days it was still very dangerous unless you were in the arts where you were somewhat protected but had he remained as a uh, lawyer he could have been fired um there's the the philadelphia the film with tom hanks that really talks about that and it's something that in this day and age and with a younger generation just doesn't quite remember Uh, well they're they of course they weren't born excuse me but they 
just they have don't a hard have the time. historical they context. don't have the hor- no. historical context no. but my brother and Laughlin uh, my brother Laughlin and Perry were building the Perry Ellis uh, label and I was dancing on Broadway and we were living our lives to the fullest and our to the best of our ability expressing what our potential was and what we believed we were going to do in this world and that's when the AIDS crisis hit so my book is not only about the beginnings of me and my brother it's about the 1980s and the AIDS crisis and how that disease completely eradicated a generation of artists and young people living and working in New York in in the arts. And such a devastating personal tragedy for you. Completely. I ended up finally when my both my brother and Perry were sick, I left my job that I loved, my career on Broadway. I left to help take care of them. It was the right decision. I still say it was the right decision. Um, it is what many women do. They become caregivers. There is that sort of underlying theme. But at the time, nobody really knew what AIDS was. It was very confusing. The hospital corridors were very confusing. And so my story, I think, takes place in intimate places. It goes from dressing rooms and theater wings to hospital corridors. We're chatting with Christine Barker. It's third girl from the left, and she'll be May 13th at Barnes & Noble in Westport around 11 o'clock in the morning, somewhere in there. You can double-check the time with Barnes & Noble. Yes, and so were you close friends with Perry as well? Yes. Yes, I was. And Perry, Perry was like a stepfather to my niece, Kate, my brother's daughter. So we were all very, very close. He was one of the first people, people don't remember, but the Garment Center was just coming into this age of brands. Yes. Before that, nobody really had brands. In fact, I remember Jackie O was quoted as saying that she would never wear like a polo label on the outside of her lapel. It, in her generation of women, it was de classe to wear an insignia. But Perry Ellis was one of that first generation of people in the Garment Center to say, I'm proud of my name, and if you wear my name, there's an extra cachet for my brand of that name. That really happened when he signed his big uh, deal with Levi Strauss. Okay. Because he developed then this whole line called Perry Ellis America. Wow. And it was, people don't really remember this, but if they look back, Ralph Lauren th- picked up on it. He did. He did. He did. Right. But Perry he was the He ran first. with the ball, but <laughs> yes. Perry was before him. Yes, that's right. That's correct. That's wow. correct. But Perry died. How old was he when he died? He was young. Um, Happy. Perry was in his early 40s. Yeah. My brother was 38. Yeah. Yes. Young, they were young very men. young people. And there I was, having left my job, because after Perry and Laughlin died, so many of my friends, close colleagues, casting agents, my, my own Bennett. agent, Michael Bennett, Alvin Ailey. They Alvin all, Ailey passed of AIDS, too? Uh, absolutely. I didn't know that. They all died of AIDS. And there I was in my early 30s with everything that had been my you know, most magnificent dream world. Mm-hmm. Everybody was dead. And what do you do and what do you think about and how do you rebuild your life at that point? You know, Christine Barker, I also appreciated the candor with which you wrote about the drug scene in your book. Mm. Um, about the pot parties, the wild sex parties, the sort of the hedonism yeah. that was part of that. Yes. People got punished, quote unquote, for that, right? The biblical kind of thing. There was a lot of crazy behavior in their bodies. I, I don't want to say punished. That's not the right word. Everyone's going to misconstrue what I mean. But, but there was, unfortunately, for some people, a consequence from some of these 
behaviors, and I don't mean gay sex, I just mean in general, because your book talks about a lot of sort of wild promiscuity of every yes. kind. Yes. Well, you know, I, I, if I was going to write this book, I thought I'm going to be telling the truth. You yeah. know, and that that to me is, and that's it. And what I, comes through I, in the book. I, I do tell the truth. You do, and um, but I I was telling it also from a young women's perspective mm-hmm. because let me tell you, there was a lot of predatory behavior. I see, and that. women were yeah. and, and in our business, and I even described that that how people looked at girl dancers and they looked at their bodies and thought that that was who they were, not that they were real people with a mind. Well, and then a you soul. talked a little bit about and, expectations when yes. you went into certain certain places yeah exactly so it was a very difficult environment to navigate especially if you were you know a hometown girl like me yeah but it was but you you were really interesting the way you navigated it there was one story and I know we're coming up we're gonna have to close soon there was one interesting story where you were asked to be sort of the gatekeeper for the drugs like you would do the pot in exchange for nobody would do anything else well, remember that story? Yes, yes. What that was is that a lot of people, and this was this was not in, people who could really afford it, could do cocaine and things like that. But dancers smoked what we called grass weed, right? Because it would relax your body, and it wasn't like having a drink after a show. And so that was quite common. You know, it was kind of came out of the '60s and '70s, I guess. Um, and some people did a lot of it, and some people did a little bit of it. But um, I was asked, I guess, because they probably thought I was the most straight, all-American, wholesome person <laughs> to go to the at management and say, you know, kids want to take some some joints with them across the border when we go open in Toronto. And, you know, what are you going to do? So you got to read the story. <laughs> it's a great book. You got to meet Christine. She's going to be May 13th at the Barnes & Noble in Westport uh, at around 11 a.m. in the morning. The book is called Third Girl from the Left. It's great, Christine. Two o'clock. Two o'clock, not 11. Two, two, two o'clock. On May 13th. We'll be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com. 